have my own style of exercises. I have my own style of education, just as I think we all do. We're all unique as therapists. We all have unique backgrounds and training and continuing education. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. Uh, today, I'm your host. <laughs> well, I've always been your host. My name is Aaron LeBauer, and today my special guest is Maggie Bergeron. Did I get that right, Maggie? You got it right. Yes. Great. And Maggie is a physiotherapist from Canada, from Toronto, and she's a co-founder of Embodia, and she's doing a lot of other stuff with healthcare technology. And so, Maggie, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So, um, you know, I've met you a couple times, or maybe once. I mean, only once, maybe? Once at, in person. At Accelerate Live in Toronto. I know a little bit about you, but why don't you um, tell us, what are you doing right now? And what are you guys doing in Embodia? Is that the only thing you're doing? And what's your, what's your big goal right now? Yeah, so like you said, I am a, a physiotherapist, as we say in Canada. And I've been practicing for 10 years now, which has flown by. I have mm -hmm. my own physio practice, which I started five years ago because I wanted to spend more time with my patients. And I didn't want to deal with what we call MBAs in WSIB. Mm -hmm. auto insurance and workers comp. I wanted to practice the way that I like to practice. And uh, Aaron, we have a common connection. I did a bunch of John Barnes MFR training. Oh yeah, that's right. You mentioned that. I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> and that's actually what really pushed me to start my own practice. Uh, yeah. I just kind of took the leap, registered my business, started small as a sole proprietor, renting space from a community acupuncture clinic. Mm-hmm. And I still practice about eight hours a week at the moment. I've gone through some ups and downs with the practice and I'm in the process of deciding what to do with it because Embodia really takes up a lot of my time and I feel at this point it deserves all of my attention. Yeah. So I started Embodia four and a half years ago, six months after I started my own practice. <laughs> and that wasn't really on purpose. I didn't really know what I was getting into. Yeah. I started Embodia with somebody I met dragon boating. You know, the big boats and like 20 people. Oh, yeah. yeah. I heard a story about that. There's a whole like women's breast cancer team that does dragon boating. And I heard yeah. about that. Yeah. It's really fun. It's a great way to meet people. I met yeah. my co-founder that way. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so you started, so let me just like, so you started what four or five years ago your own practice? Five years ago, my practice. Five years ago. Okay. And you've been a PT for or a physio for 10 years, right? Isn't that what you said? So and now you've got a clinic where you're seeing a handful of patients a week, eight patients a week or so. You've got this online kind of clinical education, business education, et cetera, embodia. And then you're also doing something else. You're like on a healthcare IT doing something? What, what is that? Yeah, I am the community director of an event called Health TO, or now okay. we're uh, it's run through the Tech Toronto organization. Mm -hmm. We host bi-monthly events for healthcare practitioners who are interested in the future of healthcare, and technologists, startup founders, 
anybody in the tech community, we come together to network and to learn mm -hmm. from each other and to yeah. discuss the future, what's going to happen. That's awesome. So you got out of physio school 10 years ago and you went and got a job and what happened? Like what happened that made you want to start your own business? I worked in five clinics in five years. <laughs> That's a good number. <laughs> and there were great things and not so great things about all of them. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from each of the owners and different styles of practices. What I didn't love was the pressure to see more patients with less time right. and not having full control over the way that I practice, the hours that I practice. And as an independent contractor, so as a contractor in all of those clinics, I felt like I was getting the worst of both worlds, the worst of being an employee and the mm -hmm. worst of being a contractor. So I basically just got fed up and decided I can go out there and try this myself. And so I did. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, was it as easy as it seemed? Not as, it wasn't easy. No, I wasn't expecting it to be easy. Yeah. But it wasn't that challenging. Mm -hmm. I didn't, so I didn't go and like start a full clinic. I was renting space from another clinic. I had other supportive practitioners there. We have very similar styles, similar goals mm -hmm. in terms of the way that we want to practice. So it's a very supportive community. And I just had to learn some business skills. I took an online course in business and how to run a practice and, and I was yeah. off. Voila, it that's so awesome. Is it, uh, is it fairly common for physios in Canada to, you know, do like a smaller type of like clinic, like the, what you're doing is, is that something that's common? I mean, cause I know a lot of people have like these multidisciplinary practices a little bit more than I feel like we do here in the U S is it common for people to do what you did or is it, you know, is it, is it kind of like, Oh, what's she doing over there? I don't think it's very common. I know a few other PTs who have, mm -hmm. who have done it this way. And it was kind of like a jumping point, which is the way that I viewed it. It was like a, a jumping point to which I could decide, do I want to open my own clinic, multidisciplinary, multiple practitioners? It's kind of like a test. So I know mm -hmm. a few, but I don't think it's that common. Yeah. And what, what came about that, uh, that you, you started Embodia like within like five or six months. What was, what was the problem you were encountering that that was the solution to? So I had always noticed this in other practices, you know, those cue cards that you have to photocopy or like mm -hmm. you're photocopying some sort of handout a million times and giving it to somebody. I always felt really bad giving that to somebody and I have my own style of exercises. I have my own style of education, just as I think we all do. We're all unique as therapists. We all have unique backgrounds and training and continuing education. Mm -hmm. And so during dragon boating, I was talking about how we prescribe exercises on these pieces of paper. I was writing up word documents and taking pictures or like recording patients on their phones. And it just seemed like a broken system. Like it didn't mm -hmm. seem to make that much sense considering that even at that time, most people had smartphones. Everybody has a computer for the most, or for the most part, everybody has a computer. And so Ellie, who's a, actually a chemical engineer who was teaching himself how to code at the time, yeah. said, oh, we can like easily build something to help you solve this problem. We'll just build a way that you can upload your own library of exercises as videos uh -huh. and record your patients in session, prescribe them to people, 
and they can track their progress. So you can actually see it's basically remote patient monitoring. You can see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You can add outcome measures in there, uh, messaging. And so that's what we did. It set, it was really built for my problem and my practice. Yeah. And once we kind of started to set out on that journey, I started talking to more therapists. We went to some conference. I, I talked to people about it and they're like, yeah, this is definitely a problem. Most therapists have thought that the way that we prescribe exercises is really archaic and quite stupid. Right. But as I learned, it's actually quite difficult to build a solution that solves it. Right, right. It's always seems sometimes, a, sometimes the solutions are easy, but actually putting it in play is like rather complicated. What was the most complicated piece of, of it? The, mm, I'd say the most challenging piece of mm -hmm. it is getting therapists to move away from a system that they're used to. So most therapists yeah. will have a way that they like to prescribe exercises, whether it's these handouts that have been photocopied or emails, or now particularly recording patients on their own phones. Mm -hmm. It's very challenging to move away some, from something that you're used to because we're all busy in clinical practice and there's lots of patients to see, there's lots of other things to do. So learning a new piece of technology, uh, learning how to do something new, a new process is difficult. So that's the most challenging part of it still, but we've definitely seen quite a change in trends. And yeah. I think people are starting to understand the value of technology, not just in home exercise, but overall the value of technology mm -hmm. and what it can bring to our practices and yeah. our patients. So the technology, you can solve the problem with technology. You just got to get the human to buy into it, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the technology piece, in, as a general rule, the technology piece is the easy part. Mm -hmm. Still not easy, but <laughs> I say my Ellie would probably <laughs> say something different. He spends a lot of time coding and building things, but yeah, yeah the human behavior, behavioral change is the mm -hmm. challenging part. And there's yeah. no, it's not like code where it's zeros and ones and like everything is set a certain way. Behavioral change is much more dynamic and complicated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've noticed something similar myself recently, whether it's with patients or even just helping people fundraise. I'm like, hey, I, I, know a pro I know a solution to your problem, but it's going to take me longer to sell them the solution than it has to actually solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. What, um, but you guys at Embody, you do more than just exercise, right? And exercise prescription, exercise uploads. What else, what else are you guys doing and, and how did that come about? So when we started creating the exercise library, I started to talk to continuing education instructors, people I was taking mm -hmm. courses with, and, you know, you get a, ma a paper manual or whatever it might be, a book, a handout in the course, and often they are teaching exercises. So I approached some of those instructors, the ones that I knew the best, and asked if they'd be interested in recording the exercises that they suggest or teach on their courses. And some of them yeah. said yes. And once they started to see, like, the, the power and the ability of video over paper-based, they asked if we could also host their online courses. Oh, wow. Because a video is a video, mm -hmm. which is not actually. Our exercise platform is one kind of software. And what we now do, which we added in almost three years ago, is a learning management system. So totally separate. It's custom built in Embodia. We host online courses. We have over 350 online courses. We also host webinars. And yeah, wow. that's where it started was from the ones that we already already yeah. 
That's awesome. That's really cool. So you got online courses, you've got the uh, like exercise management. Are you guys doing anything else or is it just pretty much those two? So this year we added something called private academies. Mm-hmm. And this is a way for large clinics and organizations and hospitals to be able to onboard and train their staff. It's a private branded platform, a unique URL to them, mm-hmm. branded with their logo and colors where their staff can log in. They can view Embodia Academy, which is our online library yeah. of courses, but then they have their own academy, which hosts all of the training that their staff needs. It can have tracks of, you know, like course one for your first day and course two for your first week. And these are the things that you need to know about our organization. So we launched that this year. We have two large organizations in Canada using it mm-hmm. uh, and a few more that we're going to onboard in early 2020, which is really exciting. That's awesome. And then we have rather large plans for 2020, which I can't yeah. disclose yet, but we're pretty excited what we're, what we're going to bring to the market. That's great. And, you know, you mentioned before, like, you know, you've, we're taking John Barnes MFR classes. Like, it's a very different part of your brain than creating, like, an online platform and solving a platform. Like, how, you know, like, you know, because you know, there's left brain, right brain, or just, like, you're in healing mode and then you're in, like, tech mode. How do you balance those two things and how do they kind of work? You know, how do they feed off each other? I felt like for the first maybe four years of this tech journey, I was constantly in chaos, like very much torn between the two. I was practicing a lot more as well. So that's something that's changed for me this year is I've really started to delegate both Mm -hmm. in the tech company and in my practice. I've brought on somebody else to take over part of my caseload and it was challenging to, you know, be thinking about kind of in that mindful present space, but then the tech world is like crazy chaotic. Everything moves so quickly and how to manage everything. And there's this and this and this. So it was difficult at first, but I feel like mm-hmm. actually the John Barnes work or even being a physio has really helped ground me in, yeah. in running a tech company. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I know sometimes if, you know, when I, right before I stopped treating patients, I was like, I'm, I'm treating patients and I got all these other things like I got to do. I'm like, oh, I got to make sure I got all this stuff done. And I'm not actually being present with my patient, even though some days they're just, they were still like, oh, that was the most amazing thing ever. Because <laughs> I'd been doing it for so long, but I was, I didn't feel like I could be in both at the same time and, you know, for much longer. Is there something that you think, like, looking back as you, you know, started your clinic or starting uh, Embodia, like, is there something that you would go back and do differently or, or that you would change that would like accelerate your growth and, and move forward? I feel like one of the things that took me a while to learn, but also something that really drew me to the tech community in Toronto mm-hmm. is this open-mindedness and collaboration. Mm-hmm. I find that in healthcare and from a, at least from a physio's perspective, we tend to be in a competitive mindset rather than a collaborative mindset. Mm-hmm. And there's with good reasoning, you know, with more of us going into private practice, insurance, the insurance industry is changing. So there's reasons behind it, but probably what I would have changed is being more of an open book from the beginning, you know, like there's no, there's no secrets, right? There's really no inventions anymore. We're just all innovating on 
old ideas and making them better. Mm-hmm. People, if anybody listening does want to get into tech or has an innovative idea and you're scared that somebody's going to steal it or do it faster or better, that's also the way that I felt for quite a while. And I didn't want to talk about the things that I was doing, mm-hmm. but it's actually not true. It is so difficult to do something new or interesting or innovative that most people are not going to go and take your idea and do that. So it's probably, if I was going to go back and give myself yeah. advice, it would just be like really be more open and idea, uh, open to the idea of collaboration and learning from others and sharing, being honest yeah. with what you've learned and what you know. That's awesome. Was that something that hindered you because of like, like you, you weren't collaborating with other people to grow or you weren't bringing people on your team? I mean, how did that affect you? Yeah, I think even at the, at the beginning, I just didn't really talk about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I only have my brain to go from yeah. rather than multiple people's ideas and inputs that always make things so typically can make them better mm-hmm. and help shape ideas and move things fast. We did get a mentor from the beginning, which was very helpful, but I maybe would have created what I now call my personal board of advisors yeah. sooner. As uh-huh. well. That's awesome. Like, what do you do to get like ideas and inspiration? Do they just come to you or you like you, you go channel them up or dig them up or something? Is there something that you do on a regular basis to, to do that when you get stuck? I love the outdoors. Yeah. And this is also something that I've learned over time. Before I started either business, I used to you know, rock climb and hike and go camping and do all these amazing, fun, adventurous things. And then I started two businesses unknowingly mm-hmm. and, and then an event and just spent all my time working, which I found like really you just grind away and new ideas never come. So for me, it's taking time away and being in the outdoors, whether it's going camping or even rock climbing, doing those kinds of things. And just like turning off that part of my brain for a bit and things just naturally come up. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Why, why do you think that like you've been able to create two businesses? Like, is there something that, that happened or did or that you learned a long time ago that you're able to do this, but other people are struggling to get like one off the ground or even take a step into owning their own business? I am not risk adverse. In fact, I kind of like risk and I like doing things that are maybe a little bit on the edge and pushing boundaries. Like to me, that's just exciting. Like <laughs> outside of like my businesses, I said, I love camping. I love backcountry camping. Mm-hmm. I am terrible with navigation. Like I just have no internal compass. So obviously the right choice is to go on a trip where there are no trails, no map, like you just have a map and compass and you have to find your own way. Yeah. I like to do things that are like really going to push my boundaries and how uncomfortable it feels. So mm. I don't know, I guess getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is maybe something that I've learned to embrace a bit. <laughs> right. What are you doing like, like backcountry camping when it's snowing or ice climbing or some crazy stuff like that? I've never been ice climbing, but I've gone winter camping. Yeah. yeah. Like snowshoe, cross country skiing. Love it all. Yeah. I went camping one day. I was with my dog and I was going to go on like a three night trip in this Sierras, which is in California. And we got up there and we were, I guess, above the snow line. Like It started snowing at dinner. Woke up the next morning. I couldn't see the trail. And I was like, 
I don't think I'm going to continue going. I mean, you know, I was like, I could get lost and the dog knew how to, how to get back down, but it wasn't, it was in, uh, that was like in May <laughs> it was, or, or maybe it was September. I can't remember. It was still cold. I was like, no, no, no. That, I hit my limit of risk. <laughs> so that's also the other thing. I've definitely had to learn that. Like a lot of people talk about, you know, even starting a business, taking small risks and mm-hmm. like really calculating risk for something that doesn't come naturally to me either is like really thinking about what is in that risk and what the best decision is, really taking time to reflect on it. So it's something I have to consciously do. Yeah. Yeah. That's so for awesome. example, in my backcountry example, mm-hmm. We had no no GPS and no trails, map and compass only. It ended up just on absolutely the wrong cliff with no way to get down. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, really should have reflected on that earlier as we were going up the wrong side of the cliff. Yeah, yeah. But when you say, like, in business, it's okay. I mean, it, as long as it's not life-threatening, it's okay to, you know, take some risks and try some things out, even if you don't know if they're going to work? Yep. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's one of the best things to do is just calculated risk. So knowing mm-hmm. knowing what you're going to test and what does success look like. Yeah. If you don't know what success looks like, then how do you know if it worked or not? And knowing what is the worst thing that could happen mm-hmm. and then going with it. We typically do team votes now too, yeah. because we have a, a team that works with us. So that helps as well, again, with like that collaboration piece and Mm-hmm. more than one brain thinking about yeah. it. Well, that's cool. What's the worst that could happen? With Embodia, the worst thing that could happen is that our instructors leave. Mm-hmm. I love our community of instructors and I've taken a lot of time and a lot of care in growing that. And I think that is probably the worst thing that could happen is that yeah. we do something and our instru- instructors leave. So we never want to jeopardize that. And we really value those those relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the other side of that, what's the best that could happen? Like what is like, what is like the best possible outcome of, of all this effort and work? <laughs> um, so currently I'll speak to current cause next year it might change a little mm-hmm. bit. Currently the best possible outcome is that we create the largest and most amazing community of both instructors and therapists who can learn from each other in a digital marketplace. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the technology like? Why like why is that so important? Like, why is it so important for you to do that? You know, online. Like, why? Why? Where are we going with it? Why? Why do you see this as like the big future? Even though, like, we all know, like, you know, Amazon and Whole Foods and all these like all these companies are investing in technology. What is it you see that's relevant to physios? that really makes this such a powerful like move and and time and effort for you? I think that we have an incredible opportunity as the profession in general, as an industry, healthcare needs to change Mm -hmm. from both just like a spending perspective, but also of course, patient care and outcomes. I think the big things particular to physio and technology that are coming is the idea of using technology meaningfully in clinic to provide better outcomes to patients through things like machine learning and artificial intelligence so that we can spend more time doing what we do really well, mm-hmm. using the bi- biopsychosocial approach with patients, 
really getting that one-on-one -on -one time with them, using technology to help us with our clinical reasoning and diagnostics, and being able to better communicate with the rest of the healthcare team. Our healthcare system is so siloed. I, I've never practiced in the US. I'm actually American, but I've yeah. never practiced in the US. But it definitely in Canada, we're so siloed. It's so so difficult and so frustrating and so time consuming to do things like get a report or send something over to a doctor or submit a claim to insurance mm -hmm. or MBA and workers comp. All of those things should not be taking up our time, both our time and the administrator's time. This can be handled well by technology. It's yeah. just that people have to get along, coming back to the collaboration piece. And we have the technology to do this, but it's a matter of syncing systems, getting those APIs. APIs is how technology talks. So that maybe, or at least what I see in Canada is going to happen is that we are all going to use different systems. We're going to use different EMRs in private practice versus hospitals. But how do you transfer that information so that it gets transferred, first of all, so that we can all see what's going on with the patient? And being able to communicate with multiple practitioners, even if you're not in the same site, even if you're not in the same organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, what's the biggest opportunity for physical therapists, physios, and you know even clinic owners in like with concerning technology coming up in the next five to ten years that you see? Well, your community is mostly looking to do cash based, mm -hmm. which I I love. I think this is actually a huge opportunity for us is to break away from insurance companies in Canada as well, and to really stand on our own two feet again. This is actually something that we are going to be doing in the new year, so I can't speak too, too specifically about it, but I think reestablishing ourselves and the, the value that we bring and how much we should be charging, not dictated by the insurance companies, but dictated by our practice and what we want to charge. Yeah. So I think that's one massive opportunity and potentially a fundamental shift in the way that we provide care and the way that we even think about billing, mm -hmm. uh, which I know is a bit vague. <laughs> right. That is what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's cool. And, and, you know, and billing's a little different up there in Canada, but it's in general, it's, there's an, there's a, a government insurance and a private insurance and <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't think it's as big of a hassle, but I could be wrong, you know, I mean, right. It's, yeah. It's about the same. So, and you said you were American. Which said you you were born here. Did you grow up in Toronto and or something like that, or moved there after school? I moved there after. Yeah. I was born in Virginia. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, and then I grew up in Ottawa, which is uh -huh. in Canada's capital. My dad worked for the Canadian federal government, so my parents had moved around a bunch before they had kids, and I just happened to be born in Virginia. Okay. And. Uh, Got it. Dual citizen. I don't have. No, because then uh -huh. I'd have to pay taxes in the U.S. Oh. So at the moment, no. Right on, right on. Yeah, so and it's still easy enough to get back and forth across the border. Yeah, although it's surprising how often I get stopped. Right. <laughs> because it, my passport says born in Alexandria. Ah, uh, okay, interesting. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the border guards always stop me and ask why I don't have my American passport. Uh-huh. <laughs> And you're like, but I don't want to pay taxes if I don't live there. <laughs> Not a good answer. <laughs> right. Maggie, what, what do you think, like, in the United States, we're having, in physical therapists here, we're having a tough time this year. Well, you know, we've got Medicare is cutting 
our payments in the next few years. We've got, there's some, a couple other rules have changed recently, you know, because, and so home health and skilled nursing physical therapists are kind of losing some jobs and our, our cost is going up. Is there anything, uh, you know, and everyone's like, well, they can't earn as much, you know, because salaries are tied to reimbursement. And is there anything like that going on in Canada? Is there any like pressure from multiple areas up there? Yeah, absolutely. So our insurance, so like you said, in Canada, we have the publicly funded system. There are fewer and fewer publicly paid physiotherapists, mm-hmm. though. And for the most part, the outpatient PT is private, and you're going to be either cash-based or collecting from insurance, mm-hmm. which could be private insurance, workers' comp, or motor vehicle accidents, MBAs. Yeah. And there's been significant changes in the insurance industry and only more to come in the way that they provide funding for physiotherapy. And that includes decrease in MBA insurance. So people just get less money when they're in a car accident. It's harder to get the money. Insurance is going more towards like lump sums, digital wallets. So Mm -hmm. people can choose what they're, what they want to spend the money on and not just for registered therapists, but also, you know, think broadly, anything that affects health and wellness. You want a dog walker? You can use your health insurance for that. You want a babysitter? That counts. Yoga therapist? That counts. So, yeah, changing times. And what do you think is the, I mean, what are you guys doing? Like, what's the next big move? Or what what are people not doing that they need to be doing um, that you see in Canada or even both in the US? Like, what is that thing that people who, whether they own a business or don't own a business, you know, like what are physical therapists, what, what, should, what should they be doing or what are they not doing? What's the opportunity that they're not seeing to make a change? And do you, I mean, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? you know what I'm asking? Yep. Yeah. I, I love your, your philosophy of increasing prices. And I think we need to do the same in Canada. We are mm-hmm. worth more than we charge. And like myself included in my private practice, we need to put up our prices and we need to be okay with telling people that, yeah, you can pay out of pocket for it. You pay out of pocket for your oil change in your car. Right. Your auto insurance doesn't cover that. Why is this any different? Mm-hmm. Like your health insurance might cover some of it, but if you want a healthy body and functioning body, then yeah, seeing a physiotherapist is definitely the, the right choice. And sometimes it requires pain out of pocket. So I think it's a shift in mindset, which isn't yeah. an easy answer, of course, it's, patient education, consumer education, and Mm -hmm. really kind of marketing ourselves better overall as a profession, which brings us to a conversation a bit of our professional association and what they're doing to to help with that and what kind of conversations they're having with the public and with insurance companies and the large payers, Mm -hmm. um, the government. So I think there's a role for them to play there, but we have a partnership with the Canadian Physiotherapy Association at Embodia, and it's been quite a like interesting experience working with a professional association right. and getting to learn, getting to know better, you know, what exactly do they do? Because the biggest question that physios in Canada ask about our association is what do they do? What are they doing for me? And I agree. That's the way that I used to think as well until I started mm-hmm. working with them and started to better understand the way that they function, what they actually do, the value that they bring to us. But mm-hmm. I think along with changing the public's perspective, perception of physio and um, how it's paid for, 
the association has to evolve along with us. Right. Do you see, a, is there a parallel between what do they do for me as like a physio to the association and like patients for my physio? Like, what are they going to do for me? Like, yes. right? Is that personal responsibility or is it like, you know, some ex, I'm waiting for an external something to solve my problem, right? Is that, is that, or is that like the same thing? Are those things similar? Yeah, I think it's very similar. And I think it's both a personal responsibility on every physiotherapist mm -hmm. to advocate on behalf of our profession. And I think part of that advocacy goes to being a part of the association. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that we shouldn't be a part of our association, but that we should also push our association to be a better voice for us. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, a lot of people here are like, I don't even think APTA has 20% of the PTs. And a lot of people are like, what are they going to do for me? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing as my, my patients are going to say, you know, they, you might go and pay a $20 copay and be like, what are they going to do for me? They're going to fix my, or me get some, an injection and medication is going to fix my back pain. I was like, I got to fix it. Right. We actually have to like do some work to, to fix the problems. Even if someone like you can come around and be like, here's the solution really. Right. It's like, how do we sell people on, you know, participating in fixing the problems? What's the role of your companies like your Embodia in, in changing the landscape of physio? Like, what do you, what do you ultimately want to do besides have like the best place for everyone to be there and learn, but like, what's the, is there something behind it that's pushing you to wake up every day to do this? My ultimate mission now is to help physios change their funding model. Mm -hmm. The way that they get paid, the way that patients perceive them and the way that patients pay for physio. Yeah. I think we are in an incredible time. Like I think this is, I haven't lived in another time, but I think this is the best time in history to live. And there's going to be so much change that happens in the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Physios have an opportunity to grow or die. I think it's going to be one or the other. And I want to be there to help us grow as a profession, not just grow, but explode and do far more than what we were doing before, be given far more responsibility, be paid more, be respected, to be actually at the table with the government, with insurance companies during important conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Like if someone's listening, like what can they do? Like what's something they can do if they don't have like a, they feel like they don't have a big voice or they, you know, they're like, hey, I want to, like I need to do something. Like what, what, what should we expect anyone to do? At the very least, join the association, mm -hmm. whether you, whatever country you're in. Nothing is going to change unless we have a collective voice. So, and that collective yeah. voice currently is the association. Yeah. And you can't, it's to me, it's like people who complain about the government who haven't voted. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're one vote, but you can't complain if you didn't vote, <laughs> you didn't contribute. If you want to be a part of the change, and you want to do something productive for the profession, you need to join the association. Yeah. And then you can advocate, you can be a part of that conversation and help them help us. Second, I think is just thinking outside of the box, depending on how much somebody wants to get involved. There's technology is going to be a part of our profession moving forwards. And there are so many technology companies and what they need at the table are healthcare practitioners and patients 
every health tech company should have a board that includes at least one healthcare practitioner and one mm -hmm. patient. Otherwise, they're going to be building technology that likely isn't going to be useful or is going to work against us as a profession. Oh. You think of many examples of that. Probably mm -hmm. the biggest right now in the news is something called Kaya Health. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't. Kaya Health is an app for chronic pain. Mm -hmm. You don't need to see a therapist. You can download it and it will guide you through all the steps that you need to take care of your persistent pain. They are raising something like half a billion dollars. Wow. Right. <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> it is a lot of money. And what does that say? Holy cow. It says that therapists aren't needed. Right. So I think like this is going to happen, whether it is a therapist led innovation mm -hmm. or a therapist cutting innovation, get rid of the therapist and go straight to the consumers. That's their model. Yeah. And it's scary. I absolutely don't think that people will rec receive the best care possible. Mm -hmm. However, <laughs> that's not what the money is saying, obviously what the investors are saying, and they're coming at it hard. They've been coming for a couple of years. They've raised some money and now mm -hmm. they're going big. Yeah. That's and persistent crazy. pain is a huge problem. Yeah. Love persistent pain. It is. And so if like if someone's listening in there, you know, that one person out there who's like, I have this great idea, you know, to help solve that problem, what's the number one piece of advice like if, for another physio or healthcare practitioner who wants to like start or grow their tech company? What what would you say? Get surrounded by people who've done it before. Mm -hmm. Whether it's in you know an incubator, co-working space, get a mentor, get an advisor. You're welcome to speak with me. Always happy to talk about these types of things. But speak to people who've been there before. Talk about your idea. Don't make the same mistake that I did because it'll take you much longer to get yeah. it to market. Yeah, surround yourself with people who can help you and give you good advice and connections. And go for it. Yeah. That's What's the awesome. worst that's going to happen? <laughs> right. And you might, might lose a few people here and there, but we're still stand. <laughs> That's so awesome. Now, so Maggie, you've, uh, I just have a few more questions for you. You see, you've started two businesses, right? You've got a tech business and you got a, like a, a person to person kind of business. Like, you know, what's the, what's the big difference aside from, you know, the service you're providing, like treating a patient or selling a, an app or subscription or something or a course, like what's the, is there a difference between your two businesses or? Is there, isn't there, and what is it? There are a lot of differences. Yeah, they're very different businesses, which I realized very early on. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the, the biggest things that I noticed day to day is that when you're running a practice, you see people in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you get that immediate response. You get that immediate feedback. You know, somebody's like, oh yeah, I feel much better. or I feel no, no different or whatever it might be. I really like what you did there. And so you get that feedback and you can look at somebody in a tech business. You have no idea. Right? You don't see people. You can't tell what they're thinking. You, right. There's ways of monitoring like user engagement and user experience and those kinds of metrics, but it's not the same as looking at somebody and having a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. So figuring out how to kind of navigate that. And then also with tech companies, I get, I get lots of wonderful emails from our customers and our users, which I always really appreciate. But then I also get some pretty nasty ones. Yeah. Um, and the first time I actually presented Embodia at a conference, I like basically tomatoes were thrown at me. People were not happy with this idea of, uh, it was home exercise at this, at the time and like video based, which is, you know, it's not like that mind blowing. Right. So feel like with, 
at least in health tech and kind of pushing the boundary and making change, there's more skepticism mm-hmm. versus in a physio practice. People generally know what they're going to come in and get. Right. <laughs> People are like, it's not working. And they blame you. And it's really like they had caps lock on or, you know, yep. <laughs> it was like, I can't get into my site. F you. And you're like, but caps lock was on. And they're like, <laughs> and they don't say anything. They don't say I'm sorry because <laughs> they're anonymous. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's very easy to just write an email and be really rude. <laughs> yeah. So you got to develop a little bit of a thick skin or have someone else read the emails. <laughs> yeah. Or just have somebody else to talk to or have tech friends because yeah. then they get the space. It's just like having physio friends. You need people mm-hmm. that are in your industry because they get it. They understand and you have people right. to lean on. That's awesome. Well, um, Maggie, if someone has a question for you or they want to reach out to you or find you on social media, uh, what's the best place for them to go? Yeah, so I'm on social media. I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter. My handle is MaggieBPT. And (laughs) they're welcome to email me as well. Uh, My email is mbergeron, which is my last name, at embodiaapp.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. For those on LinkedIn, I am also there. So you can basically reach out any which way you prefer. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Is there anything that I like, is there a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Huh. <laughs> um, not that I can think of. Those are all really, really great questions and make me excited for the future, for the future of our profession and, moving forward together and the power of technology. We get to speak this way and have an amazing interview yeah. and conversation. That's really cool. Well, yeah, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, I, it was great meeting you at, at Accelerate Live. And, you know, I, just for the listeners out there, I've got one of my courses on uh, Maggie's platform. It's the PT Clinic Breakthrough. Um, so be sure to check it out. And then uh, next time I'm up in the great, was it called the Great White North up in Canada? Toronto is so big. It's like huge, but let's let's hang out because i think i think what the canadians are you guys are doing some really great stuff up there i've got a um i've had a handful of uh canadians on the show and and you guys are 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 really uh crushing it so i think there's we can learn a lot from you guys as and uh hopefully vice versa so thank you for being here yeah thanks aaron that was really awesome well this is the cash video lunch hour and uh this is my name is aaron labauer if you don't know that yet. And uh, this is Maggie Bergeron. And uh, see you on the next time. Don't be afraid. I'm going to say this. Don't be afraid to take a risk. Because the worst that can happen is you might fall down and we'll be there to pick up. Have a good one. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T. B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy. Give me a shout out somewhere on social media. And we'll talk to you soon.